Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me, and you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely, surely, your goodness and mercy and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we invite you to speak into our hearts that it will be more than the words on a page or the words in our ears, but there'll be the revelation of the Spirit that you'll bring alive your truth and your love. To each of us we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, band. Thank you, loads. Thank you, everybody, for being with us this morning, either online. Big shout out to all of those who are tuning in this morning and those who are tuning in for the first time. Special welcome to you as well. Uh, we're broadcasting live from the center of Exeter at Rediscover Church. And also, those of you in the room this morning, you. Uh, is my mic going off? Yeah. yeah. Pass me that other mic there, Nia. Great. Okay. Wow. I can hear myself. If you didn't hear anything I just said, a big welcome to you. It's really good to see you this morning. We're going to continue. In fact, we're going to finish and complete our final part of the series, there, with God, there is more than enough. And we live in a world where there's lots of need, where there's lots of people that just don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. But I believe that those of us who know the Lord, we can lift up our voices in great joy and declare together, with God, there is more than enough. Why don't you say that after me? More than enough. And that psalm I just read, I have no idea whether you heard me, maybe you didn't, but Psalm 23. We're going to look at the last verse of this psalm, which says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. There's nobody watching this or in this room this morning that will know the end date to their life on this earth. If you did, I'm sure you could put that into a calculator and you could work out just how many days you have left. The Bible doesn't promise us unending days on this earth. It does say that we have today and that's all we're assured of. But the reality is that every single one of those days that we're on this earth, that God is chasing after us with his love and his mercy and his kindness. And he wants to be involved in every single one of those days 
of our lives. But so often, we have created a denial of that, or we have lived our lives in such a way that we give him certain days. And that's sort of understandable, really, because probably in your earthly relationships, there are some people that maybe you can tolerate for a few hours. And that's probably a bit of a provocative way of saying it because they may be your friends. But you sort of think, yeah, I could meet them at a coffee shop indoors from tomorrow. Yeah, and we can hug each other. Yay. All those non-huggers are going, oh no, I've had a good excuse the last 12 months. I'm looking forward, I'm going to get to hug my wife tomorrow as well. After a year, she told me it was illegal. <laughs> She's shaking her head. <laughs> I know, I'm so naughty. That's what she just said. But maybe there are some people that you can meet for an hour and you can enjoy their company. But the thought of spending a day off with them may be a little bit more challenging to you. But maybe there are people you can enjoy a day with and you can love just going and doing some activities with them. But the thought of... There's a conspiracy going on here. So let's see how many mics I can get through this morning, shall we? The thought of maybe those people being someone you go on holiday with for a week may be challenging to you. But then there's another level that maybe they come and live in your home. And basically, you know, there are different levels of engagement we create with different people. And it's true with God that there may be a sense that you've created a moment with him. Maybe you have a quiet time every morning. Maybe you come to church once a week or on occasions. And that's your time. That's the moment you say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me that day, that moment, that time. But I want you to understand afresh this morning that it's your every day that he is chasing after you. And he is longing to be with you in a new way. In Hebrews 13.5, we see this promise where God says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. What a great promise that is, isn't it? Because the reality is that we have left him on many occasions and there are times our actions have abandoned him in our life and yet he promises to be true to us. But there's something really important to understand in that, that in the context of these verses, if we go back to the beginning of verse 5, it says this, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. It goes on to say, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Why would God say in this verse that saying he will never fail us or abandon us, why does he start that verse off by saying that don't love money? Well, the reality is the shepherd, the good shepherd, is chasing us and pursuing us with his kindness, with his love, with his mercy. 
but we can put our confidence in the things of this world or the people of this world. And as a result of that, we can deny the accompaniment of the good shepherd in our lives. But he promises he will never leave us, but it's about where we're placing our trust. Being with him all of your days is not about moments of prayer. It's not about going to certain religious locations. It's not about doing some things that would be expected of Christians. It is recognizing that the good shepherd's love and mercy is chasing after you and wants to be involved in your every day. Let me ask you a question. Is the good shepherd necessary for your life or desirable? What do I mean? Let me use a bit of an example. My dentist is necessary but not desirable. If I have toothache, and it's amazing how that little bit of pain in our mouths can sort of dominate us, isn't it? Dominate our days when we have toothache. There have been times I've gone to the dentist and I've said, you are necessary, I need you, please help me. Cure this problem. And there are people who come to God and say, God, I'm in pain, I've got difficulty, I need a savior, I need you to help me. And God says, yes. But I've never been kicking my heels on a day off and thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and see my dentist. I'm just going to hang out with him. And I'm not going to go and say, hey, um, could I just lie in the chair? And can you shine that bright light on me? Give me those dark glasses. And what I do when they drill in, I pretend that I'm on a beach somewhere with the sun shining in my face. And I'm not going to say just for the fun of it, Hey, would you, would you put five things in my mouth at the same time and make the sound of a drill? Please, you know, I just love it. I desire it. No, I don't do that because it's necessary but not desirable. And the challenge is for our walk with the Lord that we know he's our savior. We know he's our provider. We know he's our healer. We know that he's faithful, but we only go to him when we need something, rather than desire him to be involved in the everyday of our lives. And he is pursuing you every moment of every day, in every situation, in every circumstance. He is chasing after you with love and mercy and kindness. He chases you. If you've ever walked down the road and you've got someone behind you shouting your name and in the noise of all the shopping that's taking place, you don't hear them. And suddenly these footsteps creep up behind you loudly and they tap you on the shoulder and they say, I've got you. God is chasing after you and he is longing for you to recognize his presence so that he can say, here is my love. He's longing for that realization to come about in our lives. And did you know there is nowhere you can go that escapes his chase of you? The psalmist discovered this in Psalm 139. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. 
Why would you want to? He said, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. We sort of expect that. If I go to the grave, you're there also. If I ride the wings of the morning, you're there as well. If I dwell in the farthest oceans, you are there. Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. There is nowhere the good shepherd isn't. He's pursuing you. And we know when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we pray, God, will you be my shepherd and hold my hand through this difficult time? We know when we're resting by the peaceful streams of water, we know that the shepherd is there. But did you know he's with you in everything you'll do this week? And he's chasing after you for your attention. What are you going to do this week? What is your week going to look like? What are you going to do tomorrow? What would it look like if you knew that the shepherd, the footsteps of the shepherd were chasing after you and saying, I want you to go into this moment, into this workplace, into this university study, into this schoolyard. I want you to go into your neighborhoods. I want to be in your home. I want to walk around the various rooms of the home with you. I want to be with you when you're cooking. I want to be with you when you're watching TV. I want to be with you. And I want you in the ordinary to know that my love and my kindness is chasing after you. What would that look like? Because we sometimes, you know, regard those things as what the necessary things I need to do in my life. I need to come to God afresh in the morning to repent and to ask for his mercy and ask for his strength. But the reality is, he doesn't wave us out of the door after our quiet time and say, have a good day. I look forward to hearing about it all later. He chases after us. And he's with us in our workplace. He's with us in everything that we do. He wants to be with you. But our desire is key. Do you know, I believe that there are some reasons why people think that God, the good shepherd, doesn't want to be with them every day. And let me just blow some of these preconceived mistakes out of the water. One, why would he want to spend time with you? The mess of your life. Why would the good shepherd want to hang out with you? Let me tell you why. Because he is obsessed and in love with you. You know, there was a, an accusation that came against Jesus. In Matthew 9 Verse 11, this was said of Jesus. When the Pharisees, that's the religious people, saw him, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Wow. That's pretty strong. When Jesus walked the earth in physical form, he could have hung out with anybody. And the people he chose to hang out with were people that others called scum. If you feel that your life is a mess, you are the sort of person that Jesus loves hanging out with. You are the sort of person 
that the good shepherd is chasing after with his love and with his kindness. Why would I have occasion to go to a doctor and explain some physical symptoms that I'm having that I'm concerned about and for him to say, why have you come to see me? Well, because I thought you were a doctor. I am, but you never come and see me when things are going well because you're a doctor. We come to Dr. Jesus, Good Shepherd Jesus, kind, loving Jesus, healing, restoring Jesus, life-giving, resurrecting, giving Jesus, hope-filled, future-giving Jesus. We come to the one who restores, who builds up, who corrects, who heals, who lifts up, who gives life with his death. We come to Dr. Jesus, the good shepherd, and listen, without him, we are nothing. But he looks at you, and he chases after you with his loving kindness. So don't say, he can't come into my day because he doesn't love me. But secondly, the other fallacy, the other lie that we believe is our day is too ordinary for him. Or we understand when we gather together with the people of God in church and we sing songs about there's no one like you, oh God. We sing songs that honor him. We understand that he might be slightly attracted to that and he may show up by the power of his presence. But what about when you're sat at the till serving customers? What about when you're at your university desk or you're sat in front of your computer learning online lessons? What about when you're making a business deal? What about when you're driving around with your Deliveroo? What is it about those times that we think is too ordinary for God to be interested? All my days you pursue me. All my days. Every activity, every moment, everything we do. We say, well, I understand he's there when I'm laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. I understand when I'm sharing the gospel, but what about when I'm pricing up items in the supermarket? What about when I'm running my business and I'm trying to make a living out of the things I do in my home? What is it about those things that God would be anywhere interested in? Let me tell you what it is. It's you. See, God looks at you and he sees that you're an image bearer of him. When he made mankind, he said it is good. But he also made us to be fruitful, to be stewards of the productivity that we have in our hands. And so when you work, unless your work is harming others, unless your work is perpetuating injustice, unless your work is somehow um, manipulating, if you are working and being productive and fruitful with your life, or if you're retired and every part of your life feels ordinary and it just doesn't feel spectacular and it doesn't feel spiritual, those moments, God is still chasing after you with his presence. His loving kindness and faithfulness and goodness follows me all the days of my life. And the good shepherd wants to come to work with you. He wants to come to the allotments with you. He wants to go shopping with you. He wants to watch Netflix with you. He wants to be involved with your life. The good shepherd doesn't take a day off from pursuing after you all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Remember that song? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. All the days except those days when I go to work, God. 
except those days when I mess up. No, all the days, all the days of my life, surely goodness and mercy will follow me to work, will be with me when I cook, will be with me when I'm watching TV. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me in my conversations. Surely goodness and mercy will be sitting in the cafe when we're enjoying a drink indoors. Surely goodness and mercy will be with me when I visit my family that I've not seen for a long time. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me when I've messed up. All the days, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's not the building. That's the presence forever. And I will feast at the table set for me. Surely goodness and mercy will chase after me. All the days, every single one of my life. He's not put off by your weakness. He's attracted to our weakness. He doesn't look to kick us when we fall. He looks to pick us up and to walk us and to stand alongside us with his shepherd's staff and to bring hope and security. You know, even when we fail, because people think that our mess puts him off. It doesn't. A crust really will not break. He's drawn to us. He chases after us. And you sense his presence right now? Reminding you of his love? Surely goodness. Let me ask you about the impact that should make upon our lives. We're familiar with the term atmosphere. If I talk about it on the macro scale, we're aware that the earth has an atmosphere. It's like a bubble. That atmosphere retains the oxygen that you and I need to breathe to sustain mankind. And it also protects from harmful solar rays that would try and come into the earth and the balance of that would be problematic. We know about protecting that atmosphere, the ozone layer. And then if I broaden that topic a little bit to some of the experiences that we've become familiar with the last year about bubbles, that there are people that we're allowed to bring into a bubble, into a close proximity, a close relationship with. And I want to ask, what is it like to have the good shepherd in your atmosphere or in your bubble? What does it change? How do we do that? How do we ensure that the atmosphere is set by the good shepherd? See, that's back to that verse in Hebrews 
that Paul, that the writer was saying to the, to, to the Hebrews that it's, it's not your money that determines the atmosphere. If you lean on that, that will come and go. And some days you'll have a good atmosphere and some days you'll have a bad atmosphere. Because it depends on how much of that you've got in your life. And money is amoral. It's neither good or evil. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And there may be people that you bring into your bubble. And some days they'll be for you. Some days they'll be against you. And your atmosphere, if it's determined by those relationships, will be problematic. But when the good shepherd is the one who sets your atmosphere, he never changes. He chases you day after day with Surely goodness and mercy. And he wants to set the tone of your atmosphere. The atmosphere of the good shepherd, what does it look like? Well, when the good shepherd is allowed to be the one that we lean upon and we trust in, let me tell you some of the characteristics of what it changes in your atmosphere. He brings joy. Say, Mark, we're still battling an international pandemic. We're faced with all sorts of uncertainty about the world that we're living in. How can you say that we can have joy? Because joy doesn't come from our circumstance. It comes from our shepherd. It doesn't come from whether we wake up and feel good one morning or whether the news is good or whether our circumstances are good or whether we have enough of the practical things we need in life. It comes because the joy of the Lord is our strength. In John 15, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Not your joy. He's not saying I've told you some things and if you put them in place, you can know your joy. He said, I've told you these things so you can know my joy. Yes, and then he says, you take ownership of it, your joy will overflow. As the joy of the Lord is our strength, it overflows into our atmosphere. And that spills out into the bubbles of others. Philippians 4, verse 4, and we understand that this could be a challenging verse. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Is that an instruction? If you're a pessimistic person, is that Paul writing to the followers of Jesus and saying, come on, start to see the glass half full, not half empty? Is this Paul writing and saying, come on, be a bit more positive? No, this is Paul saying, if the good shepherd's in your atmosphere, his joy is your strength, and therefore you can rejoice because the good shepherd is with you. What can man do to me? What can circumstances do to me? Because his joy is present and alive. Rejoice, church. And I know there are times when great grief strikes our heart and our lives. And the scriptures talk about there will be mourning for the night. But joy comes in the morning. And that morning has come because Jesus is present by the power of his spirit. And he's with us. You are being chased. I am being chased by the good shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And you can laugh in the face of adversity, not because you're putting mind over matter, not because you're trying to be positive, but because you look and there is the King of glory chasing you with his love and his hug and his embrace. And you are saying, surely goodness and mercy 
has followed me all the days of my life. And in response, I'm going to dwell in the bubble, in the atmosphere of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. There's joy in his atmosphere. There's love where the good shepherd is the one that we lean upon. We all know that scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, that famous scripture about love. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is, is jealous, is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. And the thing is, our insecurities in our life, those other gaps in our life, they demand many of those things which it says are the opposite to love. My insecurity demands things now. It doesn't have patience. My insecurities, they demand that I should get my own way. And that you can be rude in getting that. But when the good shepherd is chasing after us, when surely goodness and mercy is following me, and he's in my atmosphere, and I'm embracing the love and the kindness and the faithfulness of God. That when I go into my workplace, when, I, when I'm in the family home, when I'm engaging in my activities, my everyday ordinary activities, that the love of God fills my atmosphere and fills my life and spills over. Love in this portion of Scripture is Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus is not boastful or proud. Jesus is not rude. Jesus, Jesus, the good shepherd, embracing you. And he says, let me fill you with that love. I love in Romans 8, it says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from that love. Surely my failures will stop him chasing me. And then he says, surely goodness following you. So there's joy in his atmosphere. There's love. But there's also expectation. When the good shepherd is with us, he speaks. He says in John 10 that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We read in Acts 1.8 that there was power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. When the Spirit empowered their atmosphere and their lives. Filled the temples of God, the people of God. And there were great things that happened as a result. Your ordinary days have the opportunity to know extraordinary grace and power and love and joy and life and peace flowing out from your atmosphere. When you know the one who has chased you down and he has found you. And there was a sense that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, when he was called Saul, he'd been persecuting the church. And there was a sense that he was arrested by God. What happened at that moment wasn't that that was the moment that Jesus started chasing Paul. It was the moment that Paul stopped and embraced the chase of God and said, I want to give my life to you. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you've never allowed God's love to ever stop you in your tracks and saying, I need you in my life. And I want to exhort you this morning to accept his love, to know his power, to know his truth that liberates and sets you free.
How many in this room have experienced that moment where they've said, I need you in my life, God. I need you. I need the good shepherd. Who in this room has experienced that and said, I need you? Is it like a dentist? Oh, you do need him. But do you desire him? If you desire him, it will change your day. But you have to desire him, and you can't make that up. If you don't desire him, be honest with him and say, if I'm honest, God, I do approach you like my dentist. And I need your help. Don't, don't try and fake it with him. That doesn't work. He knows you better than you know yourself. He loves our honesty. God, I really do desire to know you more, but I need your help. But there are some things that we will do as part of that expression of desire. I love the, the monastic rhythms that embed God within the fabric of our days and our life. The psalmist in Psalm 119 talks about seven times a day I will praise you, O God. And it wasn't like seven rigid moments necessarily because seven is the number of completion in the Scripture. It's the number of perfection. And it sort of means that seven times a day, that is basically all day, the whole of my day, I will praise you, O God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we read that we are exhorted to pray without ceasing. Not pray occasionally or pray regularly, but pray without ceasing that our whole life is meant to be in the shadow of the good shepherd walking alongside us, that our conversation is our prayer, our lifestyle is our prayer, our workplace is our prayer, our relationships with others, there's prayer because the good shepherd has chased us down and we've received his love and we rely on him and we lean on him and he's present. But the monastics, they created this rhythm around their lives where 6 a.m. they would rise and pray and 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and then they'd have a night watch as well. And the reason they did that was because it's very easy for the daytime activities to distract us from the fact that the Good Shepherd's being with us. Nita started being very kind to the birds in our community, in our neighborhood, and she started feeding them with all sorts of goodies. We seem to be spending more money on bird food at the moment than we are on um, other shopping. But um, she's got these plastic balls that hang from a tree at the bottom of our garden with stuff that birds like. But we've discovered that the rats like them as well. And I didn't know, rats climb trees, and they're pretty nifty little things. And they keep stealing these balls. And there's something about our everyday life, that things keep stealing the things that God is trying to remind us of. And, uh, and the sower and the seed, the example is that we see one of them, one of, the, one of the demonstrations of the loss of the seed is that the cares and the worries of this world come and strangle the life out of the truth and the revelation. And in our lives, the enemy wants to come and take away our understanding of the truth that he wants us to forget that the good shepherd has chased us down with his love and his kindness. He wants us to forget that song, surely goodness and mercy is with me today. And so we have to create reminders. And I want to encourage you when you wake up in the morning, let among your first waking thoughts to be, good morning, God. You're here. Don't have to, don't have to seek you, chase you, find you. You're here. You're present. You've chased me. And I start my day by welcoming you. As you're making breakfast and 
your, whether it's egg and bacon or whether it's muesli, it doesn't matter. Well, it probably does matter, but I'll leave that up to you. I'm not going to talk about nutrition this morning. But God is present, and he's with you, and his goodness and his mercy chases you down. And he's wanting to be inculcated into our lives. And don't just have your prayer time in the morning. That Don't dedicate some time alone just to say, that's my God bit. That's my dentist visit. That's my top-up for the day. That's your launch pad. That's, that's the place where you, you set the tone for the day, but the tone is that the good shepherd is chasing you down all the days of your life, every moment. Throughout the day, I love... Richard Forster wrote a brilliant book a number of years ago called In Celebration of Discipline. And within there, there's some rhythms that he had in his life of when he had a coffee break, he'd hold his coffee cup in his hand. And he says, as this cup warms my hand, God, I thank you that your love warms my heart. And use the symbolism of the things that you engage with throughout the day to remind you that you are with the good shepherd. There's not a moment you're not with him. Let him fill your atmosphere all day. Tim Hughes, a number of years ago, wrote a song. Maybe the band could come back and just join me on the stage. But this song says, God in my living, there in my breathing, God in my waking, God in my sleeping, God in my resting, there in my working, God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything. Be my everything. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you came to chase us down. Thank you that you follow after us. Thank you that you've not given up on us and you've not stopped pursuing us with your mercy and your love. And right now, we open our hearts and we say, surely goodness and mercy is with me right now. And it'll be with me tomorrow. It'll be with me this evening. It'll be with me every day this week and the week after Every day of my life on this earth, you are with me. And I pray that my thinking will be shaped by that. I pray that my attitudes will be formed by your presence in my life. I pray that the atmosphere of my life will be changed and set by the tone of the Good Shepherd. And I pray that I will exude with the atmosphere of God and bring hope to my workplace, to my communities, to my family, to my home. Pray that atmospheres will change in homes. Some of you now are sitting here thinking, my, my home feels a little bit dark. It feels a little bit hard work. I pray in the name of Jesus that as you embrace the good shepherd and his love and his mercy in your life, that the atmosphere will change in your home. Fill your home with worship music. Fill your home with reminders of the goodness of God. Put up scriptures on the walls. Put post-it notes on the windows. Do whatever you need to do, but just set reminders around your life that God, surely, goodness and mercy is walking around every room of this home with me. Surely it is.
So we dedicate our lives afresh to you. And if you're watching online or if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, you've not embraced the good shepherd in your life, you've not experienced his love, then this morning you don't have to earn him. All you have to do is turn around from running away from him and just say thank you. Thank you for finding me. That old hymn that says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. God has found you. We don't find God. He finds us, come looking for us, and he's found us. Came to seek and to save the lost. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus and say yes to him, you pray this prayer in your mind, and God will hear your thoughts, and it goes like this. Jesus, thank you for finding me, for loving me. And even though I feel like scum, you want to spend the rest of my days with me. And you want to heal me, forgive me. And I'm sorry for the mess of my life, but I thank you that your love is greater than my mess. Please cleanse me, wash me, heal me, and restore me. And may I spend the rest of my days knowing the Good Shepherd in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning, either for the first time or to come back to God, if you're online, why don't you, rec why don't you just reference that in the chat and someone would be delighted just to help follow that up with you. If you're in this room and you prayed that for the first time, we just lift your hand where you are. And when I've seen it, I won't pick you up or embarrass you, but I'll see your hand and I'll know to include you in a prayer. Is there anyone in this room want to respond and give your life to Christ? Thank you, sir. Is there anyone else this morning to say yes to the Good Shepherd? Thank you, sir. Anyone else this morning, give your lives to Christ. Know his love, his immeasurable love. Thank you, Jesus, for these guys that have just opened up their hearts to you and your truth today. I pray that this will not just be a moment, this will be a whole life-changing reality for them and for all of us. Why don't you stand, everybody, together this morning? And as your response to the Lord, why don't you lift your hands and say, God, I welcome you into my everyday. May I not walk away from you. May I embrace you in every moment, every occasion. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me every step of this week, every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.